Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My name is Ray Park. You may know me as playing Dark Moon of Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also... Solo and Star Wars story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast. The Force is strong with you all. And remember, sit Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the Force be with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. Oh, I'm Kevin. And I am Matty B with the Countdown City Geekcast. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much, David, for having me on. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm excited to dive into some of these topics here. I think you guys will be, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm with Fandom Podcast Network, and uh, Dave, I always appreciate when you ask me on. Yeah, for sure, guys. Thank you so much for joining. And yeah, we have some very interesting things to talk about. So the first thing is about this guy. It oh. is Ryan Johnson. <laughs> and before I get to Ryan Johnson, I just want to say uh, thank you so much to our patrons out there. Uh, I just want to recognize uh, on the purple tier, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Zach Netzel. And on the red tier, Fenrir526, Matt Heath, Maya Morris. On the black tier, Maka, Tawatala, Nathan Shank, Evan O'Paker, and Liam McCallion. So now that I have everyone's attention with Ryan Johnson, he actually just did an interview with Cinema Blend. And he had some really interesting things that he said. And I think a lot of things that we were kind of wondering about in his kind of like day-to-day life after the whole reaction to The Last Jedi. And um, here's what he had to say. He said, in terms of the bad stuff, I'll tell you it's interesting. That's been one of the really healthy things for me about the past couple of years. It's getting exposed to it. Before I made The Last Jedi, I had never had anyone hate me on the internet. If during the course of a year, I got one negative tweet, I'd go into panic. I'd be like, oh, my God, someone out there doesn't like me. I need to fix this. He also went on to say, the thing is, though, I am really, really thankful because that meant uh, that is what is meant is what my sense of self-worth was attached to the notion of everybody liking me online. And the fact that this process has made me out of survival, disconnect from that. It's given me a more realistic view of the system that is social media. There's a lot of great, genuine interaction that goes on. The bad stuff, the systematic trolling, the almost gamified abuse that people devote their entire online presence to. Honestly, once they've seen enough of it, you see the pattern of it. It just sort of gets boring after a while. He also goes on to say, it doesn't even give me that little negative ping anymore. And I don't think it's even my skin growing tough. It's just, I've put in perspective, I realize that this is kind of a byproduct of a social Twitter system. There's going to be some degree of people where there's their hobby, basically. So overall, I found it made me adjust to social media where I'm seeing it using it in a healthier way. So guys, what are your thoughts on uh, Ryan Johnson's comments there? Kevin? You know, I remember he got a lot of flack for the way he responded to negative comments 
about his direction uh, with the uh, the Last Jedi, and uh, he was, you know, surprisingly, I'm not going to say mean, but rude in a way that we wouldn't expect from a Star Wars filmmaker or someone of Star Wars that's noteworthy that has the power of star Wars behind him and a creative, I guess, so to speak. And I remember when this happened, it even angered fans more because he was throwing gasoline on the fire, so to speak for the fans that were not happy with uh, his direction with the last Jedi. I myself being one of those. Uh, But uh, this was during the time where we kind of felt that maybe if you're going to work for Disney slash Lucasfilm, they really should incorporate a social media, um, not blackout, but kind of like a guideline of what to do and what not to do. And I think it's interesting that during this time, social media backlash was on the rise and it just has been. It's And it's been one of those things where, you know, a lot like Chuck Windig as well. I think he's said a few things that piss people off, uh, but uh, there's just been, um, you know, his initial response just really fueled the anti Ryan Johnson uh, camp out there. And I think he's learned from it, you know, and they've never officially said whether or not he was going to get this trilogy that was awarded to him before the last Jedi came out. And he said that he was working on it later on. And of course nothing has come about and we can just assume that's never going to happen. But uh, whether he does something in the future, I think it it is. I do give him credit for at least, you know, learning from that experience and learning what not to do and what to do. And, uh, you know, whether you like The Last Jedi or not, um, I think that it was a learning experience for everyone. And unfortunately, he still has his trolls. You know, he will never, never. he, He will never get rid of those trolls, unfortunately. Yeah. Matt, what what are your thoughts? So when it comes to um, Ryan Johnson, I, I personally, and speaking of which, when you watch this video, what was it filmed in 1994? What camera or, or what setup were they using to to have this interview here with Ryan? I mean, it looked it looked really bad, but he he wasn't saying anything that I didn't know already. I there's a lot of things in this that we could take and we can extrapolate from, but it's pretty simple. He didn't have a good time and going through the film. He got a ton of backlash for his direction in which he took, and it taught him a lesson. That's basically what we got from it. Who I'm really actually hoping learns a lesson is the people who are in charge of hiring people like Ryan Johnson (laughs) and that we don't set directors up for failure. They could have given him his own trilogy with his own direction that was outside of the Skywalker saga that wasn't so endeared to that he could have had his creative fun with sort of like a Thor Ragnarok type of experience where, you know, things are kind of, you know, out there and there's a lot of humor and this sort of thing. Uh, Disney keeps setting people up for failure and they did it again with JJ Abrams to bring him back in to try to save what Ryan Johnson had done. So I, I just hope that from this, we all get as Disney fans and, and Disney as a whole kind of just looks at themselves and says, we're hiring the wrong people for the, for the right jobs if that makes sense. And so it, I just got more of that from, from this interview. Yeah, there is a huge group of the fandom that absolutely loves The Last Jedi. There's a few of them on our podcast even. And I see their points. Uh, I, I see what they point to as, as being 
what they thoroughly loved about the film, but I think if if you have that built up kind of expectation of not seeing Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker for that many decades and then going through a film where he wasn't present or did anything at all except for the last few frames of The Force Awakens. I mean, the hype level was so huge. We were kind of expecting something that I think we all felt that we were all going to see, which was Luke Skywalker in action. He was in action, but it was just kind of a kind of a metaphorical kind of like off well, screen. The only part of the movie that sucks, and I agree with you here, is that every time they give us something, they took it right back away. Like, yeah, Luke Skywalker was in action, but he was actually force projecting himself, so it kind of took it away. Every time they gave us something in that movie, they kind of took it away at the same time. They, we thought we killed Chewie for Christ's sakes, and you know well, that I mean? was in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, but you know yeah. what I mean. I, I think the, the the tone of the the sequel trilogy had a lot of that, though, where it gave us what we wanted, but it sort of jerked it away. Yeah, that was a whole subversion of expectations kind of motif that they were going with, yeah. which I guess Ryan Johnson started. But it was um, it was just one of those things. Like for me personally, I waited so long to see Luke Skywalker back on screen. <laughs> I wanted to see him do something more instead of just kind of force projecting himself. Yes, it's a tremendous force capability and shows how powerful a Jedi is. But to me, it just wasn't cinematic and not what I was expecting. Maybe in a book, but not something on the silver screen. It was nothing like with uh, what uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau put together for bringing Skywalker back in the Mandalorian. I mean, that that's kind of what we were hoping. To, yeah, that's exactly kind yeah, of what they, we were hoping for. Yeah. And... I know there's people that don't want to kind of point to that, really, but it really seems like that was the case. Like, you didn't get in The Last Jedi, but you're going to get it now in The Mandalorian. Yeah. And, yeah, there, there's there's a certain group of fans out there that are super negative about Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi. But um, the film's still made tons of money. The sequel trilogy has made the most money out of any trilogy in Star Wars. And... They dedicated the entirety of Galaxy's Edge to the sequel trilogy, and um, it's successful. Um, now they're kind of changing it more towards the Mandalorian side of things because they they just kind of let Boba Fett roam the park and Fennec Shand, and we're soon going to have Din Djarin in uh, his full Beskar with Grogu. So I, I yeah. kind of felt like you know they painted themselves into a corner with uh, Galaxy's Edge, just kind of like what Ryan Johnson did with his movie, you know. Because when you look at the trilogy from afar, it felt like he made his own film uh, and didn't really carry over what um, you know JJ had set up. And then it was kind of like trying to figure out where do you go from the end of that film. And when I went to Galaxy's Edge, I'm going like, well, if you're going to incorporate the Mandalorian, are you going to have to move these? you have to move all of this first order stuff, you know, I mean, they should have just had like a neutral area in that park uh, that they should have just incorporated. This is going to be where our seasonal star Wars characters are going to come in from different areas and different lands, you know, and had it kind of its own thing. But, you know, um, when it, when it comes to uh, the, the sequel trilogy, to me, it was just the biggest missed opportunity in cinematic history to not have Han, Luke and Leia share a moment together. And uh, I, I think that uh, you could put a little bit of blame on that, maybe for JJ as well. But the big blame is not having an overall story arc already set in plan before you went 
behind the camera or in front of the camera for episode seven. You know, you see a lot of television starting to do that now where they write the whole season out, you know, right. and uh, they should have done that, you know, and, and whether they lost a director or not, they said, okay, if you're going to come in, this is the story you got to kind of stick to. And, you know, these are the certain, you know, ingredients you need to kind of get flavor on. But I, I felt like there was just too many people in the kitchen there. And I think Ryan got way too much power to uh, do what his own vision was and without looking at the big picture, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, to piggyback on that, um, it was kind of like a kid who found his dad's gun a little bit. So they, you know, had purchased Lucasfilm. This is like Disney's first foray into we don't have to answer to anybody for this property now. And we can kind of make whatever we want to make. And they almost just went too far with it with that idea. We wanted new fresh ideas in the Star Wars universe. And I'm always for that. And I'm not negative on anything. I watched The Last Jedi. I, I don't think it's the worst movie ever. I just it does not fit on the board. It, it it's a puzzle piece. It's a mismatched piece. It doesn't fit in everything that's going on. And I could say that about um, a lot of things in the sequel trilogy, but it's not up to me, right? And so I have to kind of look at things like of just being like, "Hey, you can like something, you can dislike something, but objectively speaking, The Last Jedi is a missed piece. Whether you like the movie or not, whether you're, you're cool with it or you hate it, it doesn't really matter. I, I think in the full scope of it, though, it just it's a missing piece. It doesn't fit. It still makes me sad. It's it's a it's a raw moment for me. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's, you know, cu- you know, that can be. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there who can say, oh, Kevin's got butt hurt over it. whatever you want to say. <laughs> you know, but for, for me, it comes from a deeper investment of, you know, mm-hmm. seeing that first film in the theaters when I was six years old. So I have invested time in all these characters. I invested time and money in all of the EU books and audio books that I've listened to and, and so on. So I have a right to feel to my, uh, my emotions. And to me, it's just, it's sad. And it's, it's disappointment that way. And, and that what I was hoping to see didn't come to fruition. And I know I'm not alone. And uh, I yeah. just, I, I, and I just want to mention Ryan Johnson is a really good filmmaker all of his other films that I've seen, I actually like, you know, I like knives out big fan of looper brick was a great little kind of film noir high school thing. You know, I mean, his movies, he's a great filmmaker and I think he's a great storyteller. I just don't think that he really looked at the big picture and what he was doing with star Wars. He had his own idea, but I don't think he thought that maybe he was, you know, should have considered a bigger picture and also what you should do when you do make a star Wars film, stick yeah. to a certain ingredient. And, and I think, I think that the star Wars is suffering from that right now that Marvel isn't suffering from. They're both owned by the same company, which is weird is that um, in the star Wars universe, a lot of times, unless Dave Filoni and John Favreau are involved, it feels like they don't care about you. Yeah. It feels like yeah. they don't care about you. They don't care about the fans. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. yeah. I'm going to go in this direction and you're yeah. going to buy it because it's what I make. And you buy this stuff that I bought the logo for. Yeah. And, and you can tell, and, and you're right. John Favreau is a fan and he knows what he wants to see. Thus yeah. what we want to see. And he throws him and Filoni have thrown all of that into uh, the Mandalorian and, and the, the, the other stuff they've been doing, you know, whether it's showing us this thing, teasing us on Instagram a year before we actually <laughs> saw it on the big screen, you know, yeah. I mean, you knew he got it. Yeah. 
and yeah. and they care about you though they they care about yeah. how you feel when you watch it and i just don't understand how disney hasn't gotten to the point yet of that's the brain trust of the organization. They're doing really good with that on the Marvel side, right? I mean, they're we're getting a lot of good content, a lot of comic book accurate content. They're taking liberties here and there for sure. And they but, got the right people there. They got Feige yeah. in there that, that understands the, what needs to be done. They have know? all the money in the world. There's got to be, I would say, yeah. how many people in the world? Seven billion people? There, there's got to be at least thousands and thousands of highly qualified people for this job. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, why you have all the resources and time? Why can't you just get the right people in there? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's actually one of the big criticisms I have of Lucasfilm is that if they just look across the hall to Marvel, Marvel looks and finds these unknown, relatively unknown directors like the Russo brothers. We didn't know who they were before Civil yeah. War. We didn't know who they were before Winter Soldier. Uh, Peyton Reed too. He came over and he helped out with the Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed and like Dustin Critton, he directed Shang Chi and he's going to do Kang Dynasty. Um, talent. I mean, the, the talent exists. Lucasfilm just has that mentality of okay, well, who's hot? Who's okay? Taika Taika Waititi's hot. Let's give him a movie. And now you look at his situation. He's a little too hot. He's too busy. And he doesn't have time to concentrate on Star Wars. And he also and... didn't know that Natalie Portman was in Star Wars. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, uh, kind of, I mean, he could have been I mean, on like his twenty-three hour of like directing and just yeah, he said that you know. I mean, for I sure. But I, I mean, it's a pretty that... big piece. I mean, she she's kind of the reason <laughs> everything happened. Well, maybe he didn't love the prequels. I mean, maybe he like slid that out of his mind, kind of like how we're trying to do with the Last Jedi. So. I just think they keep hiring people who don't know Star Wars and don't care about it. And they're like, hey, I'm I'm gonna take I, this cool property. I think there's I think there's a medium there. You know, people like Tony Gilroy, who has admitted he's not a Star Wars fan, but he's he likes to tell stories, but he respects the material <laughs> and he understands, like, okay, I may not be the big Star Wars fan, but I know I need to pay attention to what makes stuff work. And of course, yeah. what we've seen in Rogue One, he's able to do that. Uh, but you know, I don't think that you have to be a diehard fan to, to tell a good star Wars story, but I think that you need to respect the source and people do their homework. But in certain cases, we felt like that wasn't the case. I agree. Yeah. And speaking of rogue one, there was uh, a premiere of a re-release for a uh, rogue one in IMAX with an exclusive look at Andor. Such a and good I was lucky enough to go to uh, a screen on Friday and a screening yesterday on saturday and um when i got into the theater i didn't notice that it's not in the full imax format i don't know did you uh get to check it out did you did it fill the entire screen for you i don't think they shot the film in imax at all uh my imax showing was similar to that they showed it on imax screen but it wasn't like those selected scenes in the dark night that were shot in imax so you just saw it on the big screen, but it didn't fill it all up, though. But it was still nice to see on the big screen. But you are correct. Yeah, definitely definitely yeah. nice on the big screen. It, yeah. it was wonderful to see people come out. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of people. So if you do want to go check it out in IMAX, this, the auditorium is probably not going to be that full. I, I did want to ask you because the theater I drove like 80 miles south. I went to uh, I live about uh, an hour and a half north of Hollywood up in Santa Barbara here in California. And I went to the universal uh, city walk AMC oh, okay. and they were showing it uh, Friday through this coming Wednesday at their thing. So I heard some places were just showing it through the weekend, but they had it scheduled through Wednesday 
so double check if you guys have a chance to see it. If you happen to be lucky and be near an IMAX, my city doesn't have an IMAX, so I had to drive that far for it, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I drove north to Austin, uh, about 50-some-odd miles, uh, to the Barton Creek AMC, which uh, does need a renovation. I've been going to that IMAX for a while now. But, um, yeah, they had posters out. They had a bunch of posters. Uh, that's the great thing about that AMC IMAX. Always, our our theater are... didn't. I was so bummed. There was no free posters. Oh, no. So, yeah, they, they, were, they were pulling them out, and they're like, we just want to get rid of them. Take as many as you want. So I probably took about 30 of them. I got one right so, here. So then we're going to get one then. Thank you, David, yeah, for, for, sure. for, for giving us one. Oh, that looks so good. That is so cool. That is yeah. that looks. I was, ho- really I was hoping to see them there, but I did not. I can't wait to see Cassian in in action again. It's it's, it's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, it is. Maddie, did you get to a Rogue One screening? Uh, I did not. I I've I've just watched Rogue One so many times. Um, <laughs> I, it, I, as much as I love Star Wars, I wasn't going to go all the way up to Austin to to experience it. it but I would again. Rogue One is an example of how you take an idea and you have to give it a different spin along with uh, the characters that we really care about and do it really freaking well. And um, I, to me, that's actually my third favorite movie in the entire um, Star Wars, um, you know, sort of library. But I, I, I would have went and watched it for sure. But no, I didn't. But I, I want David. I do want one of those posters. I, I, I need one of those posters, but. Me too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just just give me your addresses and I'll send them to you. So, yeah, the big draw for me was the exclusive footage for Andor. So I was pretty hyped for that. So just kind of like we all kind of predicted on the podcast, it was a talk between Tony Gilroy on the director's chair with Diego Luna on another director's Mm -hmm. chair, just talking about what we're going to expect in the Andor series. And just to see how hyped and excited Tony Gilroy is, the guy who has professed and proclaimed that he doesn't like Star Wars. He just likes telling stories like Kevin just said. But he did such a great job with Rogue One. And we all know Gareth Edwards is the credited director, but apparently Tony Gilroy just stepped in there and basically re-swizzled the entire movie and made it to um, his level of quality. And it it came out terrific. Um, But like we all say, I mean, the movie aside from the Star Wars aspect of it, is probably not the best movie, but it's a really good Star Wars movie. Yeah, And that kind of goes back to the point you made earlier when we're talking about the whole Ryan Johnson thing, that, I mean, there is a formula to make a Star Wars film, and Rogue One hit that formula perfectly. You have an on-ground battle, you have a space battle, and different planets, different terrain, connective tissue, pulling those, those reels from A New Hope, for those pilots, for those, for those Darth leaders. Vader just being a complete badass. Sorry, yep. it's a family program, but yeah, see, it, and seeing that pretty much for the first time <laughs> on screen. Yeah, know? and that's the hallway yeah. scene. But even uh, when I was speaking with Spencer Wilding at the um, the superhero car show in Comic Con, he played Vader in every scene except for that that final tunnel scene. Uh, but yeah. those scenes that he had with Krennic, um, I mean, just the. The, the way that he, his presence on screen and the way that they just subtly dropped him in and out of there while telling a completely different story. Also, when's the last time you saw a stormtrooper on a beach? Yeah. The, they're giving us iconic images in different settings that we haven't seen them in before. Great and, and film. Ben, I could go ben on that for hours. Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> as Krennic is just fantastic in that film. Oh, my gosh. It's so yeah. good. The politics fit, too. Yeah. The, the, they, they really captured 
um, the politics of the movie. And there's a lot of that in, in Star Wars. Well, I don't mean politics like we know them, but uh, how the government works there, right? Uh, in, inside of those films. They, they did an incredible job with that. Um, and, you know, I was pretty excited. They got into a little bit of that in the Kenobi series uh, when it wasn't just turning into the Reva show. But there, there was some of that that they did a pretty good job there, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and that exclusive look was nine minutes long. It was the interview, like I just said. And then there was an extended clip. That clip they just recently released online, it was just an extension of that. And it was a nice action set piece with Stellan Skarsgård and Cassian Andor running through that area, being shot at. And it wasn't a whole lot. Um, but, I mean, it... it but the tension you... in that scene, but the tension in that scene, though, between Stellan Scar- yeah. Scar's character and Andor about him saying, "Okay, I, I, I want to buy the thing that you stole, but I want to pay you more to tell me how you did it." Yeah. And he sees, and that's where you see that character take interest in Andor about how good Andor is at, at acquiring things. But then he teases that the Empire is sitting on its fat laurels and. If you feel like you belong and you know who to talk to and you know who to grease some extra credits to, you can get pretty much anything you want. Because it seems like the Empire's gotten a little too comfortable. Yeah. But that keeps in line with some of the Mandalorian stuff too, right? Like even the scenes of Bill Burr. Yeah. Um, and, and so like they're, they're painting this picture because for a long time, there was a case to be made that the Empire was right. You see those videos, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually drawing a line now kind of in the sand and, and they're, they're painting the picture of the fat mm-hmm. corporate cat who's sitting up there uh, making all the money, taking advantage of people in the galaxy. And the rebellion is here to sort of take them out. I kind of like that they are drawing more of a kind of line in the sand there a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And there was a report that came out today off of Collider uh, that Rogue One is now a top 10 all-time IMAX release uh, box office gross-wise. And um, that story just came out today, and it's still making money. I believe it's in the $105 million haul range. And, yeah, it's a beloved film, and we keep on watching it. I cry. I I still cry every time I watch that movie. It's it's one wow. of those for me, and that that's that movie and Airbud. I cry in Airbud too, when uh, in Airbud when he's saying that you know I don't want you anymore. Leave. He's trying to leave him on the island. Uh, it gets me every time. So Airbud and Rogue One cry every time. What scene specifically in Rogue One is is it on the beach when Cassian and Jin are hugging? No, honestly, it's like it's during that hall that hallway scene like, with Vader, <laughs> leading up leading up to it. I thought you were gonna say like cheer it and uh um Baze. Uh, Baze, you know. No, no, no. <laughs> Having it's, a it's moment not, there. <laughs> it's not in the classic emotional scenes, no. It's like uh the nerd inside of me. It's not crying like sad crying. It's like I can't believe that they're giving this to me. Like I like a very excited cry uh for me. Right before that hallway scene, that whole sort of sequence as they're trying to pass the plans for the Death Star, it gets me every single time. He needs every Star Wars film that they can throw at him. Just make movies. Just keep making them. And and I'll keep watching. No more Ryan Johnsons. Can I actually ask you about that, David, since you were there? Wasn't it nice to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen? A good That's... Star Wars movie <laughs> yeah. on the big screen again. I have been missing that. you know. And going back, even seeing a movie, even though it wasn't a new movie, it was a good movie, a familiar movie. 
it was just nice to see Star Wars on the big screen again, and I miss that. And I don't get me wrong, I enjoy pretty much all of the uh, the Disney Plus series, but Star Wars needs to be on the big screen. Yeah, I was thinking about As that well. same. Yeah, definitely, Kevin. I was thinking about that same sentiment. Just getting ready at my house, knowing that I'm going to go to the theater and watch a Star Wars film. And on IMAX, too. The only thing that was really... A couple of things that were kind of missing was the huge crowds and the lines and the hype and the, the vibe in the theater. That was kind of gone. I actually did troop the event on Saturday. And um, I got to take a lot of pictures with a lot of people. I'm a TIE pilot in the 501st. I have a little picture right here of me in front of the IMAX poster. And <laughs> nice. yeah, it's... I was there with the stormtrooper. If you were there at the Palladium on Saturday and took a picture, it was it was me. That poster so, is sick. Yeah, it's, and the, it's the, the red Andor at the bottom, like mm-hmm. that's like that's a that's a cool poster right there. Dude. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, they make some of those posters and hand those out. I don't know, yeah. but um, yeah, it's like you said, Kevin. It, it's just wonderful going to the theater and and seeing a Star Wars film. Now we all do know that Star Wars has planted their flag in December for 2023. But we all also all know that there is no film that has been filming for that release date. So the big question is, what <laughs> should they kind of start that right now, you know, for yeah. post-production and, yeah. you know, we should expect the, those already to almost, I mean, be the trailer already. should come out this Christmas, right? Yeah. Those should be filmed already. <laughs> they should be in post right now. Well, our theory here on the podcast is what they're going to do is they're probably going to release the last two or three episodes of Mandalorian Season 3 in the theater, or maybe a kind of a crossover show between Mando Season 3, Book of Boba Season 2, Ahsoka, and make it into some type of film that they can release in the theater That'd for that date in December. That would be awesome. And that goes back to what Kevin was saying earlier about uh, we love the shows on the small screen, but it's so great to see Star Wars on the big screen. I don't know why with the the way the theaters are struggling right now. We just saw um, uh, what is it, AMC declare bankruptcy? Uh, no, Cinemark or something. One one of the big theaters just declared bankruptcy. Yeah, and and they haven't recovered from COVID. They're already kind of flailing a little bit before COVID, and COVID was like a final nail. I don't know why um, Disney isn't partnering with local theaters to say, hey. Um, you can sell like a season ticket. So like you can go and buy for like a hundred dollars, you can pay a ticket to your local cinema and every like Thursday night, you, you air the show during the middle of the week or something. And all these families and everybody come and they watch the premiere of the new show, whether it be, uh, an episode of Mando or whatever it might be. And then, you know, they, they can obviously boost our concession sales and everything else, but we can get the feeling of the big screen again, a little bit and kind of revive that industry. I would love it if they would just sell season tickets. You can buy uh, season three of Mando. You buy it as a hundred bucks and every Thursday night or Wednesday night, uh, everybody in the families, they go and they watch uh, Mando at the theater. Yeah. There was a huge rumor um, a couple of years. Well, I would say a year ago that Disney was actually looking and like kind of monitoring the whole like theater situation and maybe looking to buy one of the big chains Maybe, maybe a Cinemark, maybe a Regal. I don't know, but um, there are reports out there that Disney was about to have their own theater chain, and yeah, we probably would have gotten all the Disney Plus shows in those theaters. That'd be and, sick. You could, yeah, that, that'd be. 
if it came with your subscription to Disney Plus, even like they raised the price three bucks, but you can watch it at home or you can go and watch it at the theater with your with your pass. That would be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Now with COVID dissipating, uh, more people going out, it, it seems like it's almost 100 percent back in a way. Um, it seems that they're missing a big money making opportunity, not releasing their stuff in the theater per se. I know they wanted the drive subscriptions and they've essentially caught up to Netflix uh, between Hulu, Disney plus ESPN plus. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like another Avenue to make money. And I think we'd all go to the theater to go watch the Mandalorian like at midnight or I would go every week. It would be like my thing. Like I have, yeah, that would become like a ritual. Yeah, 100%. it would go full circle with humanity because humanity started off going to the theaters and watching. And you would meet new friends like, there. You'd be standing in line like, yeah. "Hey, I saw you here last week. What do you think's happening in this episode?" All of a sudden, now you have a, a, a line of people who see each other every single week. They all love the same thing. They talk about it, and you know those, those people. Own, it's just great for the community. It's good for towns to to have that sort of interaction there uh, on an every week basis. It, and I think the Mando has the pull enough to do it. I think they could halfway oh, yeah. fill a theater. Uh, realistically speaking, they can halfway fill a theater room one night every single week. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, yeah, I think it would get to at least seventy-five percent capacity because, it, yeah, I mean, the Mandalorian is really outside of our like bubble. It's the Baby Yoda show. So if there's Baby Yoda yeah. in it, you're going to get the kids in there. You're going to get a lot oh. of people that are outside of. Star Wars fan and even John Favreau's just so freaking smart. He made one of my favorite movies ever uh, called Chef. I don't know if you've ever seen it on Netflix. But Chef my is movie. a highly underrated film. It's an incredible it film. Fantastic. Yeah, it's an incredible film. It don't watch Hungry. hungry. <laughs> don't don't yeah definitely don't watch it Hungry. But it's it is an incredible film, and I that's when I really I, I've loved John Favreau forever. Uh, I've seen him a lot of things, even his cameos in Sopranos. I love. Um, Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, his ability to tell a story is unmatched. And this Western gunslinger, um, like samurai, kind of Wild Wild West sort of thing that is very George Lucas, this idea that he's putting in is is insane. I love John Favreau. I'm sorry. This is the John Favreau uh, 30 Seconds. He sponsored uh, this rant. <laughs> yeah, we love John Favreau, too. You can keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the, he's the king, and with Dave Filoni involved, it's it's perfect. And I Deborah Chow did a pretty good job on uh, Kenobi. There's been a lot of things that we have to look forward to, but I, I think that they need to just go back to the well if the well keeps producing. Uh, bring back the director of Rogue One. Keep John and Dave. Uh, Dave and John should just be the Kevin Feige of the universe. Why aren't Dave and John just in charge of everything? It makes zero sense why they would not just be in charge Agreed. of everything. Yeah. Make them the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are right now in a certain sense in that they're they're handling the Mandalorian side of things. They they didn't have any of, of their hands on on the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and it kind of showed. Uh, they also didn't they also don't really have hands on Bad Batch as much. I think Filoni does uh consult and he did he, he was credited as a special consultant on kenobi but of course he was busy with ahsoka and, and boba fett and mandalorian season two and season three season four so i mean it's it's just one of those things it seems that, odd that kevin and dave would not just say to disney i'm capable of running the uh kenobi show too i can do all of this at one time do not release something that that 
it hasn't had our stamp of approval on it because yeah. you might mess some stuff up. Now, Kenobi did give us, the, I mean, that scene again with, um, with when he said, I'm sorry for all of it. Yeah. And it like, tremendous. Oh my gosh. That's what we were waiting for. That made for me cry. Oh, for sure. <laughs> gosh. They built the emotion over the time and they had to add in a Reva type character, obviously too, because you can't affect people inside of the timeline because we know what their futures are. So there had to be someone outside of the timeline that they could, um, you know, put in there. So I, I, I get how all of that worked, but I just think it would have came across better with Dave and John. And I think that they should just be the Kevin Foggies of the, uni- of that universe. Uh, Disney, everything has to run through their fingers. And if they do that, not only will they make more money, but we won't have the problems to make a full circle that we had with Ryan Johnson and him getting hate, even though he's an incredibly, incredibly talented and hardworking person. And he's getting all of this hate um, because the stamp of approval wasn't there. The same with the actress who played Reva. There's a, there's a lot of times the Star Wars fan base is super toxic and they can avoid that altogether by just putting the right people in place. And it's really an easy thing to do. I don't know why it hasn't been done yet. Hire someone with a good track record. We have those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's all laid out. It's right there. I will, however, give a lot of credit to Ryan Johnson because I was there in 2017 in Orlando at Star Wars Celebration. He stayed up with us. We waited in line, slept on the concrete floor. He showed up like at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and or actually, maybe he was there before midnight, and he stayed till like five a.m. and signed. I was in that room with you. Okay, yeah, he and signed for everyone. Everyone that got in line, he signed. For. I got. And they kept on telling people yeah. he's about to leave, guys. He's wrapping yeah. up, and, and we just all got in line anyway. Yeah, he he. I got a selfie with him, and I had him sign a, a Star Wars card. And this was, of course, before we all saw the uh, yeah. um, the Last Jedi. But I was in like line for like a satellite room because we got there just too late we couldn't get into the main room but we still stayed and i'm glad we did because we got a chance to at least meet him and yeah good credit for him for at least uh you know reaching out to the fans and staying there as long as he could yeah yeah i mean I, i'll never forget that that he stayed out like a whole he spent a whole nother day just in there with us and just signing everything and he did take pictures with us and um, yeah, that was an incredible thing. Yeah, incredible there's no reason time. to give hate to a, a person specifically. There's no reason to hate Ryan Johnson because he made a movie that you care about, about a fandom that you care about, you didn't like. But I mean, there's no reason to be like toxic and nasty about it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Ryan Johnson's a very talented dude. Yeah. He just, he just he made a movie that we didn't love uh, because he you know, looked at it differently than we do, but it's not the end of the world. You know, <laughs> we got That's it. True. So moving on to uh, another interview that was held uh, this time with uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, who's going to play Sabine Wren in uh, mm. Ahsoka and possibly Mandalorian season three, possibly season four possibly other things it's hard to tell they all make it all seem like the same show that's what we happened in uh the book of boba fett it's like is this all just one same sh- is it all the same show <laughs> it's all in the same world you know yeah, so, yeah. that's why uh, a crossover movie would be great when, that you mentioned hell yeah, earlier would. hell yeah, yeah. It would um, yeah which kathleen kennedy didn't mention in that whole investor call a climactic event whatever that means if it's going to be a movie on disney plus or it's going to be a movie in the theater I think we're kind of voting for a movie in the theater so they can have like a big budget for that type of thing. And we can see 
a lot of cool stuff. Maybe bring back Luke Skywalker. So, like I was That's saying, so she cool. did an interview, and um, here are some of the highlights. Uh, she she talked directly to the Hollywood Reporter, and she said that uh, when she was initially cast and did the audition, she had a scene to do from Top Gun, and she played a male pilot. And then there was another scene. She said she couldn't remember what it was, but it was obviously a scene from the show, from a Star Wars show. So she said she just knew it was... Uh, she she knew from the get-go that it was the very elusive John Favreau-related project, uh, which was talked about, I guess, in the industry at that point. And uh, she said, like most actors, uh, for my own mental health, I sent off the tape and didn't think about it again. And she said, I've been through absolute circuses with casting uh, what it's like for four callbacks, two director zooms. And then it's just complete silence for the casting for star Wars, Ahsoka. You never hear from anyone again. So I sent off this tape, didn't hear anything for a few weeks and thought, yep, that's another one. And she, uh, she notes that Sarah Finn, who's a casting director for Marvel and Lucasfilm uh, gave her uh, a call back. And uh, she said, oh, my God, it's happened. And she said, we are just um, flabbergasted, as you're probably about to be, uh, because uh, this has come out of left field. But you have an offer, uh, quoted her agent. Uh, And then they were like, tell us, do you like The Mandalorian? And I was like, yeah, why? And she laughs. And then she says, months later, when I met with Dave Filoni and and John Favreau, John explained his thoughts behind the casting and how, as an actor himself, he understands the stress of casting. We're often asked to jump through hoops when creative people behind the project probably already know whether or not they really want you for the role. So he just tried to make it seem as seamless as possible, and she was shocked at the very least. So there you go. That was her experience, and I think we're all excited for Ahsoka, and I think that we're going to get her in more than just Ahsoka, because currently right now, at Manhattan Beach Studios, they're currently kind of shooting multiple projects and the rumored Boba Fett project as well. And there's a lot of rumors about that. And like I said, this climactic event that we're getting that's going to tie Mandalorian, Ahsoka. And what we and should have got was... was and the that Rangers. whole Mandalorian dispute that needs to come up and be dealt with. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yes. It, it, is is, um, is she, she going to try to take him by combat to get the Darksaber back? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different things that could happen here in in, uh, in Mandalore. I also wonder, because we get, we're going to get a Jedi Survivor, Fallen Order 2, in quotes, um, the the actor is age appropriate. When when are we going to get a live action uh, Cal Kestis? And so I, I would love to see a crossover film that that has all of them: Ahsoka, Cal Kestis, uh, a whole bunch of people have to team up to to do something and and accomplish something. I mean, just see them all on screen. It would it, it has to happen. They wouldn't have chose uh, that actor for Fallen Order if they didn't plan on using him in live screen because he's age accurate and he's uh, professional. You know. Hundred so, percent agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they 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 have to. I want to see Cal Kestis on the live screen because I love that game and I can't wait for the second one. But uh, with the the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Fallen Order um, two or uh, Survivor, all at the same time. Kevin, you're onto something here. A, a crossover would be insane. 
Yeah, yeah. And Sabine Wren is an important character that we need to hear from again. So this yeah. is uh, uh, an important casting. Uh, and she looks great. She looks yeah. perfect for the role. Yeah, she's great. And by the way, she's currently uh, starring in the new Netflix movie Day Shift with uh, um, uh, Jamie Foxx and Snoop Jamie Foxx, yeah, as a vampire hunter. And she was in that weird but quirky fun film called Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you check that out. But uh, yeah, I think her star is on the rise. And, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the um, the whole Mandalorian arc, uh, she had a key role in it. And uh, and she was with Ahsoka at the uh, last shot of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. So it, her character is very, very close, obviously, to um, Ahsoka. And it's going to be interesting to see what type of influence. Hey, there's a picture there. What oh kind of influence God. she's going to have on shaping the new future of Mandalore? Because those that like to take off their helmets and those do not need to uh, come to the middle somewhere. Yeah, if and they're going to survive. They got to stop fighting each other. Yeah, and it has to happen because, and we know that probably the Mando is going to be dealing with that exact political situation in the next season. Is is how does he? uh, How does he have the right to Mandalore? And you know, but at the same time, he's not allowed to do it because uh, he took his mask off. And the uh, what was her? The armorer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Unless he unless he goes to Mandalore, where apparently it's glass now, and finds those pools and does a little (laughs) waiting in the pool, then he finds forgiveness. But I think he's yeah. going to find something that maybe Mandalore isn't quite all dead yet. <laughs> yeah, and or or has to recover some sort of an artifact that like yeah, he, he, yeah. he is the real one. Something. Do you like think that. Grogu's going to go swimming with him? That'd be kind of cool. Put on a little like <laughs> swim trunks, you know. I'll, I'll. The only thing I want from Grogu <laughs> is a little bit of a step forward. So he's been in this like toddler phase. He's fifty years old. Um, he's kind of been the same for two seasons. He's grown like he's starting to get into his powers. He's a little bit right. more cognitive. Like you can kind of see him in his personality. Um, I would like a bit of a step forward for Grogu in this. You want a teenager? This. Is that what you want? Uh, well, yeah, no, something, you know, maybe. Yeah. I hear uh, you. A little maturity. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Uh, and kind yeah. of moving along. And um, hopefully I, he gets back with Luke because I think that has to, I think that'll happen in season three as well. I think the man will be like, look, you know, thanks for choosing me and everything, but you know, you got to go do your thing. Hopefully, they really reunite back with Luke. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to go back with Luke. I think he's permanently going to stay with the Mandalorian. I think we're going to get Luke back at some certain points, but I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's the Baby Yoda show to to a lot of people. Yeah, and and Luke needs to, you know, he's like, man, I I need to be in more Star Wars again. I I had my chance, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to go back in time to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> that must be so odd for Mark Hamill to to like as an actor who's being brought back, but you're still alive. Yeah, you know, and it's like nobody knows this character better than me. But you're just you're not young enough to play it. That that had to have been a weird thing for him. Uh, sorry, side note, just sidebar. Well, the cool thing is they do bring him back and they do have him in the suit and they have him act out stuff and then they do the replacement thing and they have yeah. him consulting. So he is still a part of it, and he is more of a working actor today now with various different roles on on netflix and video games and it seems like he's a whole lot more prolific than he used to be when he was primarily just doing voices and well he got pigeonholed he was luke skywalker they didn't want him on camera because they were like everyone's just gonna think that it's this it's luke skywalker (laughs) uh but his joker great joker yeah iconic yeah 
But yeah, I'm looking forward to um, getting months and months and months back to back to back now that we have Cassie and Andor starting on September 21st. 12 episodes, and they're committed for two seasons. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's a big commitment. That's, that's a lot of way faith. longer than like some shows. Like Kenobi was six episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, they might could be a limited series, but twelve guaranteed episodes. You know, that was something that uh, my co-founder uh, Kyle and I were kind of critical on. Not just the Star Wars shows, but even the uh, Marvel shows. It's like give us more than six episodes, man. Especially if you're going to cut them down to 30, 40 minutes with like another yeah. ten minutes of credits. Just go ahead and at least commit to eight to ten. Just give it, flesh out the story a little bit more. You know, I just, yeah. I, I don't see why they don't do that. I mean, I know there's more money involved, but come on. Our, uh, I, I was part of that initial three year subscription when, you know, the D23 came out three years ago and Mandalorian was about to come out and I paid that money for three years. That's about up right now in November. So we got to re up. You know, give us a reason to re-up. Give us more, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, and I, t- I I, completely agree. It's I don't even have anything else to say. You, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So moving Andor, which was perfect marketing, I mean, really common sense when you think about it because you have really, really big shows in fandom dropping. We already had House of the Dragon drop, biggest HBO Max premiere in the history of HBO, everyone saw it. That's going to be Sunday nights. And then you have She-Hulk, which has already dropped. That's going to be Thursday nights. So with Andor, you're going to have it Wednesday nights. And of course, the biggest TV show, most expensive TV show of all time is just about to drop. That will be Friday. So every single Lord night, of the Rings, you're going to have... Right? Yes, yeah. yes. Lord I wonder of, uh, how... Rings of Power. Yeah. I wonder how the Game of Thrones might damper down that initial viewership a little bit, but we'll, we won't get into that, but it's a question of mine um, in that, in that realm, so to speak. Of, so it's confirmed it. Lord of the Rings is dropping on Fridays. I believe so. Um, I actually move. got a ticket to go watch the first two episodes at a theater in Temple. <gasps> Ooh, so that's awesome. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm and not it, jealous. It, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not jealous. <laughs> and it goes back At to what we were saying all. earlier about the Mandalorian going into the theater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones has done it. Now Do you? Re- yeah, Power remember Thrones. when Game of Thrones showed like the the season finale of five or what it was? I went to the theater for that, man. Jeez, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. And and they showed premiere yeah, there as awesome. well. We should be and, getting these shows in the theaters, guaranteed. If no one's doing it yet, Kevin, David, and Matthew Enterprises is going to start a new business <laughs> where we're going to theaters and we're having them show <laughs> these films. And it, it's so cool to watch with people who care, who and, care like and, you do. And I just yeah. want to throw it out there because someone had made a comment a while ago. Yes, I think Max Rebo lived. I'm just going to show that out there. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't there at the bombing. We didn't see him. We didn't yeah, see his yeah. blue corpse. He lived. Yeah, I think he's waddling around somewhere. Certainly. So yeah, that leads me to um, what I was going to talk about as far as getting back to back to back every single month full of Star Wars and or. And of course, we had the uh, date that showed up on Disney Plus when you saw the trailer for The Bad Batch. That on September 28th, we were going to get the premiere of Bad Batch Season 2, which now they have removed that. And apparently we have no idea now when The Bad Batch Season 2 is going to drop. But we do know when Andor is going to end, which is the week of Thanksgiving in the States. So possibly get the Bad Batch right after that. And if that happens, 
that's about 16 episodes of Star Wars right there. That should lead right up to the premiere of The Mandalorian Season 3. Once that ends, we'll get The Ahsoka Show, the first episode of that. Once that ends, we should be getting Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Or a Jedi Survivor. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, it could theoretically, we could get something new Star Wars every single week for about eight months or so. <laughs> hey, so, Star Wars fans, do you realize how lucky you are right now? Yeah. yeah. Especially with the, the people at the helm of these upcoming projects. We know now we really don't have to worry too much with what yeah. we have coming out. So, we, <laughs> it's going to be good. I remember that time during the, the 80s the dark times you know and then finally the books came out audiobooks and you're like oh yay new star wars when's the new book coming out next year <gasps> yay <laughs> times have changed man for yeah sure. for sure yeah and uh there's a little article here on uh bestman bulletin that i want to read here uh many fans began speculating that a delay on the season for Bad Batch season 2 could occur once Andor was delayed from August 31st to September 21st, just 1 week before the Bad Batch premiere. However, Disney have two important events coming up which could provide us with an update on the sophomore season. Disney has been talking up about Disney Plus Day which occurs on September 8th and have already announced various releases for the day including Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, a documentary chronicling the making of the hit series. Disney has promised exciting updates, reveals, and announcements on the day for projects that will be made for and releasing on the streaming service. And this is most likely candidate, in my opinion, as to where we'll get updated on the second season of The Bad Batch. The alternative option, and the one we find less likely, is an announcement during D23 Expo, which begins on September 9th, which will feature various announcements from Disney Studios and franchises, including Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, and there is a big presence there confirmed. So there you have it. Disney Plus D23. Day is September 8th. Counting down the days. Okay, so we're going to get Star Wars stuff announced. We're going to get Marvel stuff announced. But I'm just going to throw this out there because, no, David, I know that you get like 8.5 billion people watching your show on YouTube here. And some of those people work for uh, Lucasfilm and Disney. My message to those people is... Our three-year subscription is coming up in November. How about you throw us a deal again? You know, if you're if you're listening or you're watching the whole D23 and you pay attention, you know, give us another cool three-year deal. Give us a reason to buy that bulk, and so you can get another chunk of change in your wallet instead of just to doing the monthly thing. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundred bucks for three years. Not bad, right? That's not bad at all. I paid the, I did the Disney bundle. I did the sixty nine ninety nine with the Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus. And so I uh, is that for the whole? Is that for one whole year? Yes, yeah, sixty nine ninety nine. It was for the whole year. I, I got nice. I, I bought a UFC fight or something, and um, by buying the fight, it gave you that deal. I don't know if that's something they run all the time, but um, I, I agree. I want the big bulk purchase. Give me a good deal on it. You know, I'm going to keep going. I don't want the deal with the monthly charges. I give me something good there. Yeah. And, and and spruce it up tease me with a bunch of cool content give me uh, a nice deal on the subscription and this is a happy marriage yeah yeah give us more on that espn plus <laughs> show some real games <laughs> yeah yeah i was watching cornhole earlier so it was okay they, they, were, they were doing rock skipping 
Yeah, the Rock Skipping Championship. <laughs> At least give us the you know ESPN eight the Ocho. You know, yeah. watch some dodgeball. You know, yeah, some sports ball. You know, I love <laughs> I love I love our sports recitals. They're they're great. Yeah, Hooper Ball is my favorite. Stone skipping. Right That's awesome. <laughs> Oh boys! Are we so good? yeah, yeah, they came out with that bundle uh, a while back with Hulu, yeah. ESPN Plus, with Disney Plus, and I just recently um, re-upped Disney Plus with that bundle. Uh, my wife watches a ton of Hulu. Did you um, go monthly or yearly like uh, Mandy did? Monthly, I did the monthly thing because it's it's a monthly savings. Um, I think it's about ten dollars cheaper to go monthly to get all three services. I really wasn't watching ESPN Plus that much, but. Uh, now that I have it, sometimes I'll just go on the app and just kind of check out what's going on. But um, they do have a lot of stuff on there on ESPN Plus now as far as games go. I know you you joked about it, but there was a USL soccer game I went to in San Antonio for San Antonio FC. And they had the complete broadcast of it. So I watched it. I knew what was coming up and everything. But it was it was super entertaining because the fans were heckling the visiting bench so much that you could pick it up on the telecast and... It was yeah. it was really but also like I mean if you live in the town so like for example like if you're in San Antonio uh, they'll pick up the Roadrunner games they'll pick up UTSA yeah. so you'll be able to watch them there if you're in Santa Barbara they you see Santa Barbara games will be playing on ESPN Plus so it you know even if you're not the biggest sports fan ever that bundle I think is really worth it though all around speaking especially if you're trying to cut the cable um, because at least you get a little bit of that live programming you know. If they can guarantee Orville season four, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Doubt, doubt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think a subscribing, yeah, is going to help out a lot. And that was interesting that they moved them from Hulu to to Disney Plus. Yeah. Do you know what was behind that move? Uh, Well, I think the reason was is they wanted to see how well in the, because it's in Disney Plus on outside the country, but in the US, Mm. they moved it over because. I think they really want to see what type of burn that they would get because I got informed directly from Luis Estebito. What's his name? The the guy. Giancarlo Esposito. No, no. Luis Esposito. The uh, Louis D'Esposito. Yes, that guy. Yeah. From from Marvel. That that it matters not only how many people are streaming a show on said Disney plus, but how many times you're streaming it that goes into decision-making and whether or not they need to uh, renew a show or not. And I think they needed to figure out what they had with the Orville since it was only on uh, Hulu and they wanted to find out like how many times. And so I've been running I'm a big Orville fan. And I said, make sure that you hashtag renew the Orville, but make sure not only do you watch it, just have it playing in the background somewhere and then, uh, you know, play it again. You know, and, and that's what I did for a good solid week. So we'll see what type of uh, noise we made. But they pay attention to that. Starting revolutions, Kevin from Santa Barbara. Just that's right, just buddy. That's starting how, that's revolutions. How, that's how I roll. And I would do it for the Mandalorian if hey. if it was in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'd had season I, I, one playing over there. I had season two playing over here. Book of Boba Fett over there. Every that's screen ever. You're in the airport taking over TVs. Actually, we need, right. to, we need to throw this on to Disney Plus right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Yeah, I have seen Mandalorian season one, but, maybe about four or five times. Yeah, completely all the way. But I have a prediction too, just so you know that back, back to the uh, the Hulu thing, why they moved it. I think we're going to see Hulu go away because it doesn't exist elsewhere, and I think that 
Disney Plus is just going to have adult content. I mean, they moved Deadpool 2 there. They moved Logan there. This is R-rated material on Disney Plus. And I think that they're just going to get rid of Hulu eventually and just make sure Disney Plus just be Disney Plus. Yeah, there's no reason to have both. You, you drive competition between each other, and you're, what they're doing right now is they're comparing whose algorithm is the best, uh, where are we getting the best analytics from, and then yeah. whichever one wins that war is it's just going to be one platform yep. of, of moving forward. And that just makes the most sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they already own ESPN. I think that works alone as a standalone thing. You don't need to combine that into the app, but Hulu and Disney should definitely just... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I... I totally agree with you, Kevin. I think you're 100% right. And I believe that's pretty much what's happening because Hulu, we all think of it as a Disney platform, but I believe, I think 25% of it is owned by NBC Universal. And what does NBC have? They already have their own streaming network. They have Peacock. So it's just a matter of time to where all the lawyers get involved and they separate everything out. And I believe all of NBC shows are going directly to Peacock now. So if you need to see NBC content, you'll go directly there, all the late night shows. And I think with Paramount Plus, they're going to do CBS. And I know Hulu does. um, I'm not sure if they do CBS. I know they do ABC, NBC. Fox, FX, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the, the the normal commonsensical evolution of it all is yeah, Hulu goes away and we get everything that's ABC content, Disney, Disney Animation, Pixar, Nat Geo, Disney Plus, existing material, all the on history Disney channel Plus. because I have to watch my seasons of Alone. I don't know if you guys are big Alone fans, if anybody out there, <laughs> Alone on Hulu, watch it. <laughs> it's a great show. What is that? What what is Alone? So Alone is it's like a contest show. And um, you go by yourself to like the Arctic or like Vancouver Island of BC and you have to survive as long as you can. And you don't know that you have to film yourself. You don't know when other people drop out or don't drop out. Some of these people are out there for like 120 days and they have to feed themselves. I mean, they have no it's it's a great show. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I like survival shows. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, I'll probably go check it out. So the other couple things that I wanted to talk about before we go, uh, the fact that uh, September 8th is Disney Plus Day and we are getting for sure something Star Wars in A Jedi's Return in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show documentary, usually called Gallery, which is what we got for Mandalorian Season 1, Season 2, Book of Boba Fett. Now I think maybe they're going to go for a name change, possibly, because Gallery is a horrible name for a behind-the-scenes show. So hopefully we do get some some interesting stuff. Uh, like I said, September eighth, be ready for that show to drop. Um, and like a couple of those articles said that we're possibly going to get more stuff, but D twenty three is going to happen that same weekend for that week, uh, and probably on September eleventh is when we're going to get the huge announcements with Disney and Marvel. So we'll look out for that on Sunday. I will be. In Dallas, actually, that day at a Cowboys game, so I won't really be that on top of it. But I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, all that news is going to drop. I'm going to be in La- La- Las know. Vegas for a Raiders game. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, yeah. um, what uh, Matt? What NFL team will you uh, be watching? So I grew up in a place called Blacksburg, Virginia, home of the Hokies. That's where Virginia Tech is. Okay, um, and so I had the um, 
the Redskins to the north. I had the Panthers to the south, and I didn't really like either of those teams. So I went west and thought uh, the Cleveland Browns was my team for the longest time, and that's been a miserable road. Um, but I do like the blue-collar Ohio folks. I like the mentality down there, and I like Joe Burrow too. So I'm, I'm kind of switching over this year maybe. I, uh, I, I think I'm going to be a Cincinnati Bengals guy. You can call me a bandwagoner if you want, but the bandwagon <laughs> moves faster than your horse, folks. We're moving. Okay. I uh, I, li- I lived in Virginia for six years. I was in oh, uh, nice. Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia Beach area yeah. for a while. That's, that's so, where yeah. we recruited all our players from. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> lot of uh, Washington fans there, definitely. And then, oh, for sure. Yeah, and then when uh, North Carolina, you know, Carolina fans became a thing, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, boys, hey, check this out. Do you think, because you mentioned um, Disney Plus Day, you, you know, you mentioned we're getting news, you know, it's, it's all on the way. Is this documentary for Kenobi uh, like a prelude to releasing a Kenobi season two? Do you think they're going to do that? Or do you think they're going to say, I'm done? Do you think their big news might be, hey, we're doing Kenobi season two? They've probably made, they could already have it filmed. And so, I mean, like, you know what I mean? There could be enough stuff to keep releasing is all I'm saying. Yeah, I do agree that yeah, that would be a great spot, and there is a there is a possibility. I I would say like a forty percent chance possibility they do the announcement. I don't think they've shot anything yet because, I mean, the this day and age leaks are yeah we're, we're gonna have have had to have known something because the crews are just way too massive. But uh, yeah, that that is a definite possibility. Ewan McGregor at the uh, Superhero Car Show and Comic Con talked about. He would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, he would do it again. And uh, he said that Lucasfilms is biding their time because the streaming numbers were there. I mean, he got a lot of eyeballs. And it was kind of a lot like, Nobody. don't give up hope. He was saying it in a way that was hopeful. He wasn't saying it in a way that was like, hey, oh, just what? Maybe it's going to come out. He was kind of the way he was wording it, his expression and his emotion was sort of in the, in the way of, um, you know, don't. Don't hold your breath. So, you know what I mean? Like teasing it a little bit, even. I think it yeah. made too much money. Yeah. Th- I think it'll just be announced that they would, they'll start working on a season two because the way they left it, there's just so much to dive into. I don't think that they've shot anything and I doubt we'll ever get any, you know, deleted left on the cutting room floor scenes because they don't do that in this era anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what you see is what, we want you to see, but uh, announcement definitely. And it would be cool. They don't have to mess with the timeline anymore. The first season they kind of had to, and they kind of messed with our head cannons of where we thought things were a little bit. Um, but if he just went off and was training with Qui-Gon and doing other missions, like that's plenty fine. And it really won't affect the storyline that much. Now that we know I, that. I think left. there's a Reva redemption thing yeah, that they, they, need, yeah. they need to touch on on this. So, yeah, I think it would be cool. Anyway, sorry. I got off on a tangent. No, that's cool, and I'd like to add to that, just like I've been saying for months now, it seems, I can totally have the Kenobi Season 2 show and still have Darth Vader play a key role in there. They never have to meet. It could just be separate storylines, yeah, just in parallel, and just visit both of those guys, and it'd be great. It'd be we're, we're cool with that. We're yeah. way cool with that. Just give us more Star Wars. You know, just give us as much as you can. I'm I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> if I don't like it, I won't watch it again. But I'm going to watch it all once. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing I wanted to talk about here was an interview that Filoni and Favreau did with Entertainment Weekly. Uh, they talked about uh, the uh, the teasing of Din Djarin's future 
and his shot at redemption in the third season of The Mandalorian, which is scheduled to arrive on Disney Plus in early 2023, which is about the February timeframe. They said, well, we established in the Book of Boba Fett that there was an opportunity for the Mandalorian to be redeemed because he had transgressed against the Creed by removing his helmet, Favreau explained. And among his group of Mandalorians, that is something that's not permitted. Now, we know that there are other groups of Mandalorians where they have different sets of rules. In the Clone Wars, we saw them. Uh, Dave, we saw with Dave uh, and also with the character that I voiced that the Mandalorians are very different there. And so these different groups are coming together and we're going to figure out the nexus point for all of these communities. Of course, is their homeworld from which they're exiled, which is Mandalore. So nothing too much out of the kind of projection I think most fans have that are familiar with the stories of the Mandalorian. But it is interesting to hear them kind of confirm kind of what we all were projecting. And I think we are going to see a battle between Katie Sackhouse, Bo-Katan, and Din Djarin. And uh, a fight for, for the for the dark saber. Yeah, and to go back to like a because we were talking about sports earlier the, and everything, another sports reference. That's what you want to hear from your coach at halftime. That, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what you want to hear right there. That's that's clear direction. It's an understanding of the game, knowing what it is, the story that you're telling, having an end goal, and and reaching it because you're in control of it. I love that piece just because it gave me peace in my. I said. The second I heard that, I was like, boom, it's still going on, baby. We got John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and they got this. It was the halftime speech I needed for, from uh, John Favreau. I, I don't know if this is going to go on a tangent, but when I look back on The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 and what we saw in uh, Book of Boba Fett, I kind of get the feeling because he's such a man of so little words, I feel like that he's just kind of going with the flow of what's happening in his world yet. He's still connected to this Grogu kid, but it's, it, it feels like the politics are just kind of coming at him and he's kind of soaking it in and understanding both sides of it. And I think, because I think that when you look back, even though he's the star of the show, the co-stars really shine because they say a lot more in certain times they do a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up because I think that he really needs to do a lot more in this Mando season three, and he needs to take the helmet off to do it. And I think that that's going to be a pivotal time to where he needs to bring eventually, you know, especially like you mentioned, Manny, the, the, you know, when it comes to, um, dealing with the, uh, the, the, the different cultures here and what we've seen so far and having to uh, Katie Sackoff, Sackoff come forward and, and battle. I mean, he's, he's already given it up to her, you know, mm-hmm. and now she's got to like, is she so close minded that she's going to go like, no, I need to battle you for this thing. Or is there, you know, she was open-minded enough to explain to him that, Oh, you're part of that cult. You know, and so I see why you having this light, this, this dark saber, it's more of a tool, not a status thing for you. So mm-hmm. he needs to really become the leader that I think that they're setting him up for because, and that's a tall order from what we've seen from 
Bo-Katan and from Sabine Wren. So I, I, that's where I kind of see what, yeah. what, what should happen. And, and I agree with you for, for a lot of that, because like my take on the Mandalorian is much the same. Uh, and you don't hire an actor like that unless he's going to have to take his helmet off at yeah. some point. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. So like that was, I thought that was baked in. I think they've dragged it out a little bit uh, too long. And I think it does have to come to a point where he he's going to have to do that. And he's been sort of standalone a lot of the series. And I think that's why Grogu is such an important character is teaching him how to build relationships with people. He was very binary and sort of robotic in ways. He just came and, and did his job and then went back off and did another job. And he, now he's learning to build relationships and, yeah. and, and, and develop and, the character. And there's two cultural things that need to come to head here when it comes to the Mandalore. And that is one is does the, does whoever owns the dark saber really need to be in charge? It can still mean the pride of the Mandalore. And yeah. dude, take your helmet off and eat in front of me. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think they will do that. Cause uh, the actor alone, uh, the actor's probably tired of wearing the helmet around set. He's probably yeah. over there saying, Hey guys, can we, can we skip ahead a little bit here? Yeah. And let me take yeah. his helmet off and just be handsome as hell. Uh, and, on and I think those moments of him with the helmet off with Grogu, we got the reveal at the end of season uh, two. It Powerful. was great. He did that. And I Powerful. think that they have more face-to-face stuff would be great. Yeah. You know, especially if we can see his reactions to certain things, he does a yeah. great job of acting underneath the helmet. And I give, I give him all the credit, but we need to see his face. I agree. I agree. We're on the same page, Kevin. Make it happen, David. <laughs> So I agree with a lot of that, but I think there is a huge advantage that the production has with Din Djarin having the helmet on all the time due to the fact that Pedro Pascal is really busy and all he really has to do is record his lines to bring the Mandalorian to life because you have two other actors slash stunt performers in the suit and Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder. And uh, Brendan Wayne handles like the gunslinging and uh, Latif handles all the martial arts stuff. And it seems like Pedro Pascal is hardly ever there. So, but I mean, when you look at the script, I I think if the script required him to be there, he would be there, but it's given Pedro Pascal the luxury of being able to do other things and not be there as much. And as I'm just, you take ownership of the role then you even dive deeper now because it's, it feels like your role to him when he's sitting on a plane traveling from set to set. I mean, uh, what does the Mandalorian mean to him? Or like it, he doesn't own the character yet. A lot of other people play it. He just does the voice, you know? So I think having him take that off is a way for him to own the character and really maybe even give it better than he has already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the Mandalorian growing as big as it has, it, it's just, even more reason for him to be there unmasked, unhelmeted, whatever you want to say. And um, yeah, like really be the face of, of the Mandalorian. But it, it was awesome at celebration, how they gave uh, Latif and Brendan a time to shine on stage. They got, I actually got a picture right here that they took with Grogu on set and just to oh. have them finally kind of officially recognized with Filoni and Favreau so on cool. stage. It's so and, cool. Yeah, I love it, that it, he's wearing a cowboy hat too. That's cool. Yeah, because yeah, he's he's the great grandson, I believe, of John Wayne. Yeah, and um, yeah, that that whole lineage there. But yeah, they they seem like really cool dudes. I know Latif <laughs> has awesome. been the stunt double for Pedro Pascal for many projects, 
So there's that as well. But I'm just really interested to see how they're going to reconcile everything we just said with the actual trying to get back, uh, having to wear the helmet to be alongside the armor and, and Paz Vizsla uh, for the whole this is the way mentality there that they got going. So we'll see what happens. But but I mean, I could totally foresee a part of season three for Mando where he just takes off the helmet completely and goes helmetless and we see more Pedro Pascal. But we all do know that he filmed Last of Us for HBO Max. So he was away for a while. So there's that as well. Oh, can't wait for that, dude. Not, <laughs> not to mention that Nick Cage film. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's very busy. Um, yeah. But you want him, like, now's the time. Because if you don't utilize him now, he's going to be way too busy moving forward. His star is just beginning to rise. He's going to be yeah. blockbuster hit actor. Pedro Pascal is going places. So use him while you got him, you know? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's all I got, guys. I, I think, Kevin, you had something you wanted to talk about? Um, it was uh, an article. Oh, man. It was... Oh, John Boyega mm-hmm. was interviewed by Variety, and they were asking him about his opinion on uh, the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing right now because I don't have the article in front of me. But uh, he felt that um, the fans deserved more time with the legacy characters, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia. And he also felt that uh, it would have been nice if Finn's character had a lot, little bit more to do. And he specifically mentioned, like, a Stormtrooper Rebellion that he was expected to get that we should have gotten uh, either a tease of in, um, you know, uh, The Last Jedi or uh, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And... Uh, um, I'm just summarizing what he said, but those are the two main points that he said that uh, fans yeah. uh, should have gotten more time with the the legacy characters together. And uh, because even though they were, you know, incorporating the new characters, um, the, the 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 too obvious of the passing of the of the baton uh, was done um, too hastily, I think. And uh, I think he recognizes that. And and keep in mind the characters that we got introduced in the force awakens, those are really good characters. We just needed more of them, a little more rounded character and not, you know, introduce in episode seven, take a backseat, like, you know, Finn did in eight and nine, you know, um, I think they kind of did his character wrong as well as a couple other ones. They there. definitely did his character wrong. Yeah. And him, yeah, and, him but, and Daisy, Daisy Ridley have both, come out and i mean what he said in the interview what that i took most was him saying uh i'm cool on star wars um i'm, I'm i don't i don't want to do it because I, he felt lied to and and so did yeah. uh, daisy ridley I, yeah. I think they they both felt uh wronged and daisy got a nice arc uh, i'm sure but um john boyega's arc could have been way i'm sure oh. it was sold, i'm sure it was sold to him way different yeah uh, yeah he, he, he been a lot more they should have done some type of stormtrooper rebellion thing because I, I think that would have been so been cool badass. to see, you know. And, and it's like up Rose in, in the Last Jedi, and then we kind of his character kind of fizzled out once they put him in that yeah. romance. Not saying it would have fixed the sequel trilogy, but what's important is what I can find in bad movies or movies that disappoint me is at least good character moments that will mm-hmm. make me want to rewatch it and revisit it, even though it the movie has its flaws and yeah. you know there is certain moments that you can pick out but for me there's not enough 
of episode eight and nine for me to one go back and revisit. Uh, there's just not enough there that they could have done. I agree. Yeah, and I, I think about the 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 very first uh, one of the tra- one of the first trailers for the Force Awakens where we see Finn holding the legacy lightsaber. lightsaber. Oh my! And gosh. it's like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get a Jedi. I mean, I, I think that's what everyone kind of jumped to. And then just kind of threw that at the end of Rise of Skywalker, like, hey, Ray, I, I kind of feel like a Jedi, summarizing. But, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> But it's like, yeah. he, he was the only non-Force user at the time. Have we ever seen that in Star Wars? Has a non-Force user ever wielded a lightsaber on screen? I think he was the first. Han Solo. Just Han Solo oh, yeah. got, Han, got yeah. the Tauntaun, you know. But Oh, yeah, yeah, for Luke, yeah, to, to get yeah, him in there. But that doesn't really count, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely counts. It's a big thing. But uh, what I'm saying is it's, it's kind of rare. So I, yeah. I thought that was a very important thing for him. It's like, wow, dude, this guy's, you know, wielding a lightsaber. Are we changing this now? Does he have the force? I had a great curiosity about him and his character. And this just, reminds me wow. of a fun trivia question I used to do uh, at a job I had where a uh, decipher job I had in Virginia where we made the Star Wars card game. And we had this, tr- we had these fun trivia things. And I had this fun trivia question. I want to throw it at you guys. I'm just counting the original trilogy here. Okay. Okay. What you see on the screen, how many people or creatures or aliens touched Anakin slash Luke's lightsaber? Only the original trilogy? Only the original trilogy. Okay. Someone always forgets one. That's why I'm curious to uh, see if you can remember. Just throwing that out, yeah. I know. I know of at least three. Obviously, Kenobi had it. Yeah. Um, Luke, yeah, Luke obviously had and it. And Solo, uh, Solo touched it. And then um, the fourth would be uh, somebody who touched his lightsaber. The Wampa. Man, that's, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's what? Tough. What? The Wampa. Um, you no. could count that. <laughs> okay that does that mean that the last one you're counting is uh like an odd occurrence of them handling it like they were well, just picking that up directly touching it the emperor when it's on his throne <laughs> oh and there's a gosh, quick yeah. scene of a ewok passing the lightsaber mm. to someone else okay <laughs> <laughs> That's that, I love those little trivia questions. Yeah. I could go, I could dive in for hours on those. But that that reminded me awesome. of what you said regarding it was really cool to see Finn with that saber, and yeah. it would have been nice if he was able to develop his skills and you know even with the tease of the broom boy at the end of uh, the Last Jedi, give us something of someone else being able to be a Jedi, not just Ray, you know. Yeah, and uh, again, I mean, the, they the movies are what they are. I think they could have done something way freaking different, and I wish they did, but they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. what we got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think though that John Boyega will eventually be back in Star Wars, and he's going to do something uh, in relationship to to Finn eventually, unless his star blows up even bigger. I saw a report he's actually possibly in talks for maybe doing a james bond thing so they owe him something i know that he's a very talented young man great actor he, he got sold a role that should have been a role of a lifetime it could have very yeah. easily been a role of a lifetime he set up on tremendous trajectory again the trailer with the lightsaber holy shit he's holding the lightsaber and then they fizzled him out and they so they owe him something hollywood yeah. is, is they he better get something good soon yeah 
<laughs> I just like him. I, I like that he speaks his mind. Yeah. He's not afraid to do it. I just I like I I like John Boyega a lot. Yeah, I, really I do. do too. All right, boys, is that it? We good? Yeah, I think so. So uh, yeah, Kevin, Maddie, let it let the people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. And please check out the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube or our master audio feed at fpnet.podbean.com. We've got a lot of great shows uh, under that uh, Fandom Podcast Network umbrella. Star Wars, Star Trek, Highlander, favorite uh, movie podcast. Uh, I do a hair metal podcast. I'm a big music fan. So make sure you check it out. Uh, Fandom Podcast Network. Awesome. As I'm as I'm going into my outro, look at this ray of sunshine coming. Dude, that's beautiful. I mean, I mean, at this point, I, I like it's like the end of the movie where like it's I nice to know you're not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I'm Maddie B with the Countdown City Geekcast. Uh, we have a lot of shows under our umbrella as well. Uh, most notably, as of recently. The Ghost Heads radio show. If you're a fan of the Ghostbusters, hop on over and check us out there. Uh, we broke the internet with Giancarlo Esposito. You can see that video on TikTok. Uh, that's at Countdown City Geeks. Just put in Countdown City Geeks, go to Google and let it take you down the rabbit hole. Come hang out with us and buy the merch. Buy Maddie, Maddie, that's cool. Big Ghostbusters fan. And hey, just got a question for you. If someone asks if you're God, what do you do? You say yes. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Have to. I'm blocking the sun, and now look at this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, boys. Later. So yeah, fun. and if uh, if you right now, if you're listening or watching us on YouTube or wh- wherever you can see us, if you're watching us for the first time, you can uh, find the Star Wars Stuff podcast on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Uh, we're on Patreon. We try to do daily content. Uh, Instagram at Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Uh, Twitter at Stuff Pod. We're on TikTok. We can we have an email. You can email us. Um, we also um, are on Twitch at Stuff uh, SW Stuff seventy seven. So we are pretty much everywhere as well. So for Kevin and Maddie, be there. May the force be with you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Later, boys. <laughs>